23-1310, Northern Iowa, Colin Henderson et al. versus State Farm Fire and Casualty Company. Ms. Diallo, when you are prepared, please proceed. Thank you, Your Honor. May it please the Court, Counsel, Claire Diallo on behalf of the LaRue Law Office for Plaintiff's Appellants Colin Henderson and Wendy Kelsey. Plaintiffs are here today to discuss the ability of homeowners to obtain replacement cost insurance benefits in post-duratio Iowa, as Ms. Kelsey summarized in her deposition testimony, to look at, quote, the delay, the stress, the frustration, end quote. More than three years after the derecho storm, these homeowners are still trying to obtain their own benefits. And while there are many legal issues to review, I want to start with the truth that no good neighbor could dispute. Homeowners should have at least as much time to repair their property as insurance companies have to pay the owed amounts and to adjust a loss. And that really brings the extraordinary facts of this case home. You have State Farm here, the defendant, who took 19 months to make any substantial actual cash value payment. He paid more than 150% of the total amount owed in March of 2022. That left less than five months for the homeowners to make the repairs on their property based on those payments. And that was a clear error. The district court, there's more the than three- Was it required of the homeowners that they actually have completed the repairs in order to get the replacement costs, or could there be some substantial effort, some proof that it's underway that would have satisfied that obligation? The contract reads that it's required to have completed, but it is true that State Farm sometimes takes the position and includes in um, some of their letters that the repairs can be underway. What was the state of the repairs at the time? Some repairs had been um, uh, underway and completed, but not all repairs had been made, and more than $3,200 of RCV on the appraisal award remained unpaid. And the district court erred when it dismissed this breach of contract claim while this issue was still pending. In fact, the facts were still changing during the pendency of this argument, and evidence was even added to the record after the case was dismissed on a, in a motion to amend resistance. The district court erred in failing to even consider whether State Farm's own anticipatory breaches of its contract in delaying this significant payment rendered compliance with the condition Precedent is the way I always learn to say it, but I know it's been said differently. Um, uh, impossible under Iowa law. That determination leaves these homeowners entirely without a remedy and fails to recognize State Farm's own breaches in the delayed payments here. This series of events is all part of the critical value and function of replacement cost coverage and whether it can truly place homeowners back into the position in which they were in before the loss or if it does 
whether there are any consequences for those delays. Was, was there any discussion of obtaining an extension for completing repairs? No, that, that, was, that was not raised. And in the payment that State Farm made in, on September 30th of 2022, when it sort of nitpicked the appraisal award and decided which parts that it was going to pay, it did not raise the two-year timeline at all. And therefore, that's part of plaintiff's argument that they waived that argument. They also didn't raise it before the district court. They claimed that the two-year timeline was immaterial to their motion for summary judgment, which is another basis of plaintiff's argument that they waived this. These facts were really changing on the ground at the time. And the depositions of plaintiffs took place in August, more than two years after this storm. And they described that they were undertaking repairs, that they were trying to find people. And the Iowa Insurance Bulletin also described the issues with contractors in this huge storm uh, that tore through Iowa, the, in, particularly in Cedar Rapids. As this court described... So, Council, what, what do you think um, just the ballpark range of, of money that's still owing by the appellee to the insured here? So I think there's at least 3,200 of the RCV. I think there's a few hundred dollars in consequential damages, which plaintiffs have also asserted. And then there also should be interest. Plaintiffs had to file a lawsuit. They asked State Farm to extend this deadline. And State Farm said, no, we do not think you're owed any more money, so we will not extend it. So they had to incur the cost of a lawsuit to try to protect their rights. So there, uh, it is true. Uh, truly not a large amount of money, but the principle is critical. State Farm breached its contract, didn't pay for 19 months, and left plaintiffs less than five months to repair their property, and essentially do, do got carte blanche. Do I understand your argument, though? It, it, it almost sounds self-defeating in the sense that it sounds like you're saying they, they either don't have to or can't do the repairs until they receive the money. But the contract seems to say they don't have to pay the money until the repairs are either done or underway and done within a two-year period. So give me a little help there because it, it's, it seems to me they had other alternatives. They could borrow money from somebody. They could do something to get it going and get the repairs done within two years even if they hadn't been fully paid. Well, here they had been substantially paid. Well, I, no, they had not been substantially paid, and, and I think that's the critical point to that. So when this, this court talked about Henry State Farm in 2017, the purpose of replacement costs and actual cash value, they had not been paid. They had been paid less than half of the actual cash value. They had been paid about $6,000 by the time they filed, by more than 19 months after this. So it's really that system can work if the full owed amount of actual cash value is paid. But the appraisal award resulted in 9000 additional dollars. People, this is people's entire equity in their home. They cannot always get a loan or a home equity loan. To put the onus on the homeowner rather than the insurance company to properly adjust this loss within the timeline that it has is, is a breach of the policy and terribly uh, unfair. Um, so I, I think, and then the other issue is 
It was the derecho storm. Contractors, the Iowa Insurance Bulletin, and that's in the appendix, contractors were overwhelmed. The Iowa Insurance Division expressly asked State Farm and other insurance companies in Iowa to waive the one-year time limit, which it did not, and to waive any repair timelines, which it did not. And it said that failing to do so could be considered indicative of a violation of Iowa Code Section 507b4, which is uh, evidence of bad faith. But rather than recognizing all of those things, the district court dismissed both on bad faith and breach of contract here, leaving the homeowners who timely filed and protected their rights entirely without a remedy. And, and it really, as, as this court held in and restate farm, quote, by adhering to the core principle of indemnity, which limits the insured's covered loss to the value of the damaged asset at the time of the loss, Actual cash value policies work a hardship, particularly when the insured suffers a partial loss and needs to repair or replace the damaged component with a more valuable item in order to restore use of the entire dwelling. And so that's why, as this court described, replacement cost value policies came about after World War II housing shortages and inflation. And that was the purpose of replacement cost value insurance, to put policyholders back into the position they were before their loss and completely without regard for what was What was the evidence in the record that the repairs could not be completed in the five months? So Ms. Kelsey testified that she was, uh, that they were trying to find um, uh, contractors and that she did not want a polka dot house, so they were looking into it. That was in her deposition and described. But I think there's a couple important points about that question. Plaintiffs did not move for summary judgment on their breach of contract claim. State Farm moved for summary judgment on a breach of contract claim, setting forth 66 compound material disputed facts. And it did not argue that plaintiffs were not entitled to RCV because two years had passed. That was not uttered in its brief below. It was, it only argued that, uh, it said that in fact the two-year timeline was immaterial in response to plaintiffs noting that issue. And so it's not plaintiffs' burden to prove their entire case on summary judgment. They did not move for summary judgment. But the district court took plaintiffs' argument on the 60-day timeline of the appraisal award and treated it almost as if plaintiffs had moved for summary judgment. And the disputed material facts, Ms. Kelsey saying she couldn't do it, the Iowa Insurance Bulletin saying, waive this, it cannot be done in Iowa. And those disputed material facts were not considered or put before the court because uh, State Farm did not, in fact, make that argument until the motion to amend and until it had already won on the judgment. So it was attaching new documents. It was State Farm essentially made a syllogistic argument, and it was about a page of its entire brief as an almost seemed like an afterthought. After the bad faith argument, it argued also it's entitled to breach of contract. Because it hadn't received all of the requests for repairs, it, it, uh, it should get a breach of contract. And plaintiffs very clearly responded, this, if, if you're arguing what we think you're arguing, but we're not sure, this, you can't decide this as a matter of law. Conrad Brothers in Iowa decides that if there is a condition precedent that has been breached, there is no requirement to meet that condition. Does the record show why it took so long to, to get an appraisal value, an, an independent appraisal of the damages? 
Well, the record shows a couple things on that, and that has been an issue in terms of bad faith in Iowa state courts, the delay in actually getting the appraisal for if it can be placed at the foot of the insurance company. I think there was some issue with... Um, there was, there was a claim that plaintiffs hadn't met some conditions to even engaging in appraisal. It was plaintiffs' position that Iowa Code Section 515-1096A, which sets forth the standard fire contract, does not impose any conditions on engaging in appraisal other than a dispute. And so that took some time. And then there also are, unfortunately, no rules in Iowa other than when appraisers must be named. And so State Farm, when it filed its notice of removal, admitted that it had not, in fact, named its appraisal and therefore they had not agreed on an umpire. I see I have seen my time. I, I do have one, one question. Could the um, insured's obligation be, have been satisfied by, like, submitting a repair estimate from a contractor? It, yeah, State Farm has taken that position that, uh, what, well, not a repair estimate, a, a binding contract. Okay. So then... Sorry. Something pre-repair, I guess, is what uh, maybe we're talking about. What's your position on that? Yeah, I think that is the Pierce case in Iowa is um, the reason why State Farm allows a repair contract, a binding contract in Iowa, should suffice to show the intent to undertake those repairs. But again, we're talking about $6,000 on a more than $20,000 loss and then another $9,000. But imagine this were a $200,000 loss and it in fact was a $2 million loss. Who is going to enter into a contract for a $2 million repair when they've only been paid $200,000? That condition cannot be applied to homeowners when the other party has breached its contract. And that's the holding of the Iowa Supreme Court in Conrad Brothers. If I can reserve my time. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Yellow. Ms. Walwicks. May it please the court, counsel. I'm Brenda Walrich. I represent State Farm Fire and Casualty Company in this case. And I uh, would like to start my argument by um, responding to uh, a, a comment that's been made um, during my counterpart's oral argument where she said that more than $3,200 of appraisal on RBC remains unpaid. That demonstrates a fundamental misunderstanding of property insurance coverage because RCV benefits are not an owed coverage. There are coverage that can be obtained when certain conditions are met, but they're not owed. And in this case, this is a property insurance policy. The purpose is to put the insureds back into the condition they were in before the storm. That's accomplished by paying actual cash value ACV benefits. And that occurred here. The ACV benefits were paid um, periodically throughout the claim adjustment process, and then once, once that appraisal award was entered, the remaining ACV was paid, five months remained in order for the insureds to make an RCV claim, and they didn't do it. They had five months in which to perform repairs, or as your honors have recognized, um, State Farm repeatedly advised them that they didn't have to perform repairs as long as they 
presented adequate proof that there was a repair contract in place and that repairs were going to be performed, and then submit the RCV claim to State Farm. And so we're here arguing over $3,200, which was not owed until those conditions were met, and those conditions were not met in this case. And as you've also recognized, there's no record. There's no record of, of of why they why the condition wasn't met. There's no well, evidence. I think Ms. Diallo argued that the two-year requirement wasn't a basis for your summary judgment motion. The well, status of the I case mean, that, that might, if that's true, and I'm curious whether it is, that would explain why there's no record. The status of the case, Your Honor, is that the storm occurred. August 10, 2020. The appraisal award was entered May 10, or I'm sorry, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have an exact date. It was entered in March of uh, 2022. State Farm paid the remaining ACV the next day, and then there remained five months to make an RCV claim. The plaintiffs did not make an RCV claim, so in September of 22, after the RCV deadline had passed, uh, State Farm moved for summary judgment and said, all, AC, all ACV has been paid, no RCV claim has been made, there's no RCV m amounts owing, their claim needs to be dismissed. In response to that, uh, plaintiffs submitted new evidence and submitted these repair cost estimates for this the roof repair that they did or the roof replacement that they did. Um, State Farm considered that, paid it. Uh, and so then the district court ruled ultimately and dismissed the case. But they filed a motion, um, a, a motion to set aside, or I don't, I don't remember the exact um, uh, title of their motion, but a motion to set aside the summary judgment ruling, and made all of these additional arguments about we're left without a remedy. We don't, but they didn't present any evidence. There, uh, there's no evidence in this case, and they could have during the summary judgment motion proceedings. Um, ask the court, can we open discovery? Can we, you know, we submit it. We have this repair estimate that we're submitting, but can we also um, present an affidavit or get our contractor to come in here or whatever? I mean, whatever the reason was to establish that these are the reasons that we couldn't make repairs or, as Your Honor, um, Judge Shepard recognized, enter into a contract for the repairs. They had five months to do it, and there's nothing. There's nothing in the record. So the district court made the only ruling that it could make in this case, which was based on the evidence before it, and that is there was no breach of contract. All the ACV had been paid. There was no RCV claim. When they subsequently submitted an RCV estimate, State Farm paid that, and they never asked to open the record. They never offered any proof. They never did anything to establish is the, that there is, was a remaining claim for is the benefits. submission of a contract is that is that a realistic option if the insured is um, uneasy or uncertain about whether the insurance uh, the remaining insurance benefits will actually be paid well all the old benefits were paid by the day after the appraisal award um, and so there would be no reason that you couldn't take the appraisal award to a contractor 
and say to the contractor, here's the award, this is what's due as soon as we get these repairs performed and submit a claim. I, mean, I don't know why a contractor wouldn't accept that and then enter into a contract to perform the repairs. Well, are we talking about what's, what the insurance company is going to pay in addition to the actual cash value money? Well, the, the appraisal award sets the RCV amount, and then it reflects what the depreciation is, and then it sets or states the remaining, which is the ACV. So, I mean, the insurer is bound by that so long as those conditions to claim RCV are made. Again, repairs within two years. And so, the, so the idea claim. would be uh, enter into a contract with a, with a contractor um, and then depending on the insurance company to go ahead and pay what it, the, the remaining amount upon submission of the contract. Correct, Your Honor. And State Farm had... But what if the, what if the insurance, what if you're a little uncertain about whether the insurance company is actually going to pay that? I mean, you're... I don't know what the know, basis... You've been in a dispute here and... Uh, but in this case, you have an award. I mean, you have an award. If, 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 they, if the plaintiffs had performed the repairs or submitted a contract showing that the repairs were going to be performed and State Farm still said, or State Farm said, well, we're not going to pay the RCV, that would be a breach of the contract because you have an appraisal award setting the amount due. It was, it was up to the plaintiffs to take the steps to make the RCV claim, and they did it for a portion of the RCV um, award um, entered in the appraisal, but not for all of it. And so that's what we're here about now is, is this RCV that they claim is, is unpaid and that they have no remedy for, but they had options to go ahead and make the repairs, enter into a contract, just like they did for the roof and the amount that they submitted, or the claim that they submitted after the summary judgment motion was filed. They didn't do that with the remaining, and there's no record here um, of why not, or that they actually intended to, or what those repairs would have been, or that they even in, would have intended to submit an RCV claim for them. Um, the other part of, um, so, so plaintiffs claim here, their contract and their bad faith claims are, are based upon um, this idea that they're, that they're owed RCV benefits, but again, they're not owed them until they satisfy the conditions, and they haven't done that here, and they haven't created any sort of a record to demonstrate why. So district court correctly um, dismissed that portion of, that, of, their, of their breach of contract claim, but they also um, make a claim that there was unreasonable delay in the adjustment and payment of their claim, but they don't have, again, any evidence of any delay. I mean, did it take a while to adjust this claim? It did, but there was, every time there was uh, a, a question asked or a document submitted or photos submitted or any, any sort of activity on the claim, State Farm responded in kind and it communicated. How would a homeowner create, a, create evidence of an inability to obtain repairs before the termination of the uh, period? Well, I would imagine that they would, it would depend on what the reason is, but if it's because of a... Lack it, of 
contractors, for instance? How, how would you establish that? Well, they were working with two contractors, right? Because they had their original contractor who was from Missouri, I believe, who was the one that, you know, kept going back and forth with State Farm. So they had him. And then they had the contractor that they um, hired to do the roof repairs. So they had them. So uh, you could go to either of those people and say, we're not qualified to do this work, or we can't get the materials to do this work. I mean, or we're backed up. We're not going to be able to do this additional work within the two years. I mean, anything. They could submit their own affidavits saying, we've contacted A, B, C, D contractors. None of them are available. There's, and there's all sorts of things that they could have done. Uh, so, so back to the uh, unreasonable delay portion of their of their um, claim. They, there's evidence here of a disagreement. The parties clearly disagreed on whether the roof and the siding of this house needed to be repaired or required or could be repaired or required replacement. That's a disagreement. That's not unreasonable delay that would support a breach of contract or a bad faith claim. And um, for their unreasonable delay claim, they really what they do is they complain about the method of adjusting that State Farm had in place at the time of the derecho, which was they had contracted desk adjuster uh, located in a different state, and they had field adjusters who were going out and doing inspections, taking photographs, preparing estimates, and submitting them to the desk adjusters who would then review everything and be the point of contact between um, State Farm and plaintiffs or plaintiffs contractor. But there's, they have no evidence that that, that was somehow improper. Um, there's, there's no legal authority that says that it was improper. There's no experts in this case that have given any kind of an opinion that that was not a proper way to do business of handling these claims. Um, and you know, plaintiffs themselves well, haven't... As, as I read it, I understood it to be the result was very low-ball estimates of damage that they had to dispute. And you started off initially, I, I, it seems like the statement was there's like three or four shingles damaged and here's, you know, here's some little money to take care of that. And in essence, it ends up being uh, several thousands of dollars more than, than those initial um, uh, amounts estimated. And that's evidence of disagreement. And there were um, there were photographs in the record that showed the damage that State Farm um, found during its field inspections. Uh, there were there was evidence of the plaintiff's contractor coming back and saying, "Well, um, there's improper decking to perform a repair, or the sheathing isn't correct." And there was back and forth disagreement about that, but. Parties are entitled to disagree and to rely upon their own inspections, their own um, people who are out in the field looking at these things, and that's what happened here. That's not evidence of any sort of um, lowball offer, to use your, your words, Your Honor, or um, unreasonable delay or lack of reasonable basis. I mean, the, the, the issue for the district court and for this court is, were there reasons for the positions that State Farm took in this case? And you have to evaluate whether those reasons existed, not weigh the reasons. That's not what happens during um, when evaluating these claims under Iowa law. It's, is there a reasonable basis? And plaintiffs have the burden 
when State Farm states what its reasonable bases were, plaintiffs have the burden to come back and say those were unreasonable bases, and they have not done that here at all. So again, we've got on the bad faith claim, just like we have on the breach of contract claim, lack of evidence to support these claims. This was a case where there was damage to a home, they investigated twice, they were in communication, they were reviewing every document, every photograph, responding to every phone call, back and forth disagreement, and the policy provides for a dispute resolution mechanism when that type of disagreement occurs. Plaintiffs invoked it here, State Farm um, agreed to it, the parties went to appraisal, the appraisal award entered their award, and then State Farm paid the award. Once plaintiffs made an, a claim for RCV benefits, State Farm paid that. They haven't made any any other claim, and they haven't made any record of any remaining um, or of any remaining repairs that they believe need to be undertaken or that they intend to undertake. So the case is exactly where the case needs to be dismissed for lack of evidence and lack of proof under Iowa law of breach of contract and bad faith. And if there are no further questions, I will step step away. Thank you. Thank you, Council. Ms. Diallo, your rebuttal. Thank you, Your Honors. Just a, a few points quickly. I want to just touch on a few things um, raised by uh, State Farms Council. There's a theme here about this burden flipping. It's plaintiff's burden to prove their case on a motion for summary judgments. It's plaintiff's burden to find a contractor within five months after it took 19 months for State Farm to pay any reasonable amount. And, and that's not the standard in, in adjustment, and that's not also the standard um, on summary judgment in this court's de novo review. I want to also mention the council also described not having any legal authority on this breach. And part of the finding of this breach is not, uh, of the, the error below, is not just not finding that the 3200 was not owed. It's in failing to find that there was a breach of contract. And it's not just the $3,200. There's also consequential damages. And what about interest as allowed by the law? Do none of these things apply if State Farm finally agrees to enter into an appraisal award? That cannot be the case. And so in terms of legal authority, plaintiffs set forth all of the very specific timelines. Everyone knows how critical it is to get your home repaired as quickly as possible. There's 30-day timelines, 60-day timelines, 507B4J, 1, 2, 3, 4, 7, 8, all set forth very specific requirements and duties on the part of insurer to act uh, and, and adjust this loss reasonably. There are also administrative codes where State Farm is supposed to provide reasonable assistance to let them know about their benefits, to let them know if they're out of power for weeks. State Farm did none of those things. And so that's 191.15.41 and 4.2. All Iowa law sets forth a great deal of duties. That Plaintiffs do not need an expert to tell the court what the law is and what the contract is. The law sets forth the duties, and they were breached. And so just want to also mention, um, there was a reference to sort of paying the appraisal award once it was received. 
But if it's in the record, State Farm, when it received the appraisal award and the estimates in September 30th, 2022, it sent a letter and it did a calculation and it said, well, I don't think you, you really did this line item 22 and 27. And it nitpicked the appraisal award, even after all that time. And in terms of State Farm waived the ability to make this argument now, and it should be a stop from doing so, because it represented to the district court that it was still considering whether to pay the RCV, and it would consider it. And so the district court relied on that and dismissed the entire case as if State Farm, out of the goodness of its heart later, would then make the payment. But it will not make the payment, and that really only became clear in this appellate court. State Farm said, no, the case has been dismissed. And so State Farm flipping its arguments, even after, you cannot add new evidence normally in a motion to amend. Um, and so that, but State Farm really buried the lead on what they were doing here. Council, just, oh, sorry. Your, your time's expired. Thank you, Your Honor. You're welcome. Thank you to both counsel for participation in argument this morning. We appreciate it. It's been helpful. We'll continue to study the record and render decision in due course. Thank you.